Coog's house. All right. So remember how yesterday I said that there was going to be a part two? Well, here's that part two. You are locked on Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, the podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Andrews. Here to break down all things Cougs. If you're U of H fans, just hit against that by. Please be sure to subscribe down below that we can get the podcast in your news feed each and every day. We really appreciate you making us your first listen of the day. Uh, again, as we approach 250 subscribers on YouTube, that's where you're finding us. Good to see you again. Um, we're going to give out a Marcus Sasser t-shirt at 250. So once we get there... Uh, a, to be energetic, be subscribed, so make sure we get there. And then B, be commenting on the videos. That way you have a chance to win the shirts. If you listen to the whole preview, can't even to say, please tell us on your PB&J if you'd like to have jam, jelly, or preserve. That's the question for both previews. That was kind of somewhat synonymous going across the board. Thank you all so much. Uh, again, yesterday we mentioned that was the first half of a preview. The preview just went long, so we split it in half here. Today we get to hear some from Dana Holgerson as well. So without further ado... Let's jump back into previewing the Independence Bowl with Andy Yanez. Let's listen to Holgerson and um, kind of what he's saying as they prepare. This video is courtesy of Houston Athletics. Um, but let's hear from the man himself. He's the guy in charge of preparing them. And then I want to talk to you about what he has to say for a second. So let's let's listen to Dana for a minute. Uh, if I hit it. Oh, long video. One sec. <laughs> Kind of start from Oakland Stadium about being here, and how you guys feel about having this right now? Uh, yeah, excited about this opportunity. I've uh, been talking to the guys all week about you know coming coming to, to Shreveport, excited and ready to go. You know, we had a couple of good practices the last two three days, and uh, you know get here and, and uh, you know kind of settle in, have a have a couple of practices, and then and then look forward to Friday. Uh, I hear it's going to be nice and chilly. You know, bowl, bowl games, you never know with weather. You can't, you can't worry about it. Um, you got to deal with it just like your opponent does as well. So got a good quality opponent and, and uh, the University of Louisiana, um, you know, well aware of them. You know, we're, we're neighbors. It's a couple hours down the road. Uh, haven't played in about 15 years or something like that. So, uh, but we have, we have played, you know, nine times. So this will be the tenth time that the two has been together, and it's there's uh, there's no better way to do it than do it right here in Louisiana. So I'm uh, excited about this matchup and excited about uh, the Independence Bowl. The matchup itself, um, just the excitement of being both eligible. Thoughts on the reception so far? I know it's very early. Yeah, we just rolled in here, man. It's four hours in the rain. Not, not, nothing to be real excited about. You know, getting here. Like I said, you can't do anything, uh, worry about that. But uh, bowl games are fun. Bowl games are a reward. Uh, I think with all the pressure of college football and, you know, uh, the expectations that were put upon us, you know, earlier in the year uh, and, and didn't meet that opportunity to be able to uh, to play one more is important to me and it's an important to our, 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 our football team. Um, you know, we have an opportunity to win this uh win this game. We didn't play very good the last time we played, so got a bad taste in our mouth when it comes to that. And, uh, one opportunity to be able to play one more game here. These seniors have have done some amazing things. You know, this uh, we've won 19 games in two years. You know, now we didn't we didn't meet our expectations that, that were put upon us uh, this year, but nonetheless, we have an opportunity to go play one more time, and we're looking forward to doing that. Uh, 
Well, I haven't really talked to him too much here. He's uh, he's been he's been in the NFL. Was uh, was up in Buffalo and, and just got picked up by the Browns. You know, so he hasn't been able to uh, play very much. He got hurt earlier in the year. You know, so but uh, you know, Shreveport's uh, is uh, is 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 uh, you know obviously it's our neighbor. You know, it's, it's you know Louisiana, the state of Louisiana and Houston are really good neighbors. You know, there's a lot of guys on our team that know people from. Louisiana, and there's a lot of people from Louisiana that are currently residing in Houston. So, um, you know, just I think the fact that uh, you know uh, the two the two places are very familiar with each other, I think makes up for an intriguing matchup. What do you feel like are some keys for you guys? Well, then I've been I've been talking turnovers a bunch. I usually don't, uh, but uh, you know they're really good with creating turnovers. They're 18th, top 20 in the country in turnover margin. You know. Last year we were top 20 in turnover margin. This year we're almost dead last in, in turnover margin. We just haven't done a very good job of protecting the ball. We haven't done a very good job of getting turnovers. So I think when the margin is that drastic, that's something that you got to focus on. Um, you know, just as far as, as, as getting ready to play, man, it's, it's always the most excited team ready to play. You know, and I think our team's excited about being in Shreveport and excited uh, about this matchup. Good. So interesting stuff there from Dana. Um, Andy, I'm going to ask you a couple questions about some notes I took during it. But what was your initial takeaway after hearing Dana speak as he's getting ready for the bowl game? Well, my initial takeaway, he looks really warm and bundled up <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to how he's dressed. No, I think he hit on a lot of things first First, what reminded me, and honestly, I had forgotten about it until I heard him in that clip in regards to Louisiana and them being neighbors. He said that that it's kind of a recruiting ground for Houston, um, and which is something that you know, we talked about opening in the segment. But that's something that they've actually been able to take the opportunity to recruit in that area. They're kind of kind of making the best out of the situation in terms of that aspect, but. Outside of that, in, in regards to specifically talking about the game, again, hit on to the points, just going back to that Tulsa game where that really left a bitter taste in their mouth, specifically when it comes to the seniors on the team because the Golden Hurricane came in here and really they they maybe embarrassed might be a strong word, but they certainly ruined the senior night for the Cougars in that aspect. And a senior class, like you mentioned, going back to two seasons, they, they've been able to win 19 games throughout the past two years and those seniors have been a big part of that. And that's something that they're going to be looking to avenge again. That might not be the right word to use, be able to avenge the season against Louisiana, but that's something that caught my eye because it's been a, a consistent message that they've said. I think overall, the next thing is acknowledging the expectations that they had at the beginning of the season. That was something that um, after the, I can't remember if it was the South Florida game or the Temple game. It was one of those games. It was the game Houston won. It was their sixth victory that, that put them all eligible. And they were they asked them. It was actually one of our guys for Let's Rage Cooks. I'm a quasi-plug in Let's Rage Cooks postgame show right now. But they, Akib Ghazi asked Dana Horson about, you know, even though they qualified for the bowl game or were bowl eligible, is it kind of like, was a bittersweet in a way because obviously coming into the season, they had much higher expectations, which 
the big and this is something that the players themselves had said the goal was a season ago they got to the american athletic conference championship game they had to travel up to cincinnati they were in that atmosphere you know they were the only team standing in the way of, of history really if the bearcats had lost that game they don't end up making the college football playoff they were able to get a taste of it. A couple of players after Cincinnati won that game, they stayed on the field just to watch the Bearcats celebrate that American Athletic Conference championship and kind of see what it's like. And all through the offseason into the training camps in August, that was the message. Like, hey, we want to get back. Not only do we want to get back to the American Athletic Conference championship game, we want to win this time. We want to be that team that's hosting up the American Athletic Conference trophy and, you know, getting into one of those New Year's Six bowl games. And obviously those expectations fell way short. Now, when Horson was initially asked about that, when they qualified for, for the bowl game, he was kind of defensive about it just in terms of, oh, <laughs> the expectations that were put on by outside people and all that noise. But since then, especially after that Tulsa game, He's acknowledged it. Um, they fell short of those expectations. You know, at this point, there's not much you can do about it that's in the past, but what they can do is control the future, and that's to end the season on the win, end it on a positive note, and try to get some of that positive momentum. So that stood out for me. And then just the last thing about the game in and of itself, again, the, the turnover battle, that's going to be a big factor again in that in that weather, how cold it's going to be, who's going to hang on to the ball, who's going to avoid making those critical mistakes. And I think that's interesting he alluded to. That's been another weakness for the defense. They haven't been able to create turnovers like they did a season ago, and that's been a big factor because, to be quite frankly, Quite frank, a lot of the time in the offense or this past season, the offense has kind of had to put up points. At the very least, they've had to put up at least 30 to have a chance to win. That's been a big factor why they saw a lot of those struggles overall throughout the season. Yeah, of the games they lost, um, they put up 30, I mean, 63, the SMU sticks out, but they put up 30 and lost to Tulsa. They put up 30 and lost to Kansas and put up 30 and lost uh, to Tech. As well, that doesn't speak yeah. very highly of your defense. For again, a team that not every team has great defense. I assume with the defensive line returners and stuff like that. And I admittedly, Derek Parrish going out early in the season um, didn't help. I, I would have thought the defense would have stood more packed but there. Even, even with Parrish, they struggled to to get stops against Texas Tech. Yeah, early in that game, didn't Derek Parrish have like four sacks in that game or something along those lines? It was, it was, it was a hard. crazy. That line because he still had the team in sacks like middle of the season. <laughs> yeah, like, and a big like, part of it was because of that Red Raiders game. But the the biggest problem was in that secondary. And again, oh, a big reason you look at who they lost, and that's something that I'm sure people listening to this and be all oh, they're making excuses. You should be able to, you know, that shouldn't be an excuse. But they lost Marcus Jones and Pepe Williams who were really two solid veterans in that secondary. I mean, they're both playing in the NFL. Marcus Jones, it seems like he's starting to score touchdowns every week for the Patriots. He's playing every snap. Um, he's play- <laughs> like- I mean, he's doing he's doing what he did in Houston. I mean, he's just finding yeah. a way to impact the game, which that talent like that and just players that – I'm going to steal a quote from, from Kelvin Sampson. Those are players that impact winning. Just find a way to, to make plays happen that will help your team win. And that's something that, that – really hurt this football team because they didn't have that aspect from it and and then you had the injuries on top of it so you saw a lot of guys that one didn't get a lot of playing time within the past two years so they were kind of thrust into that role of having to learn on the fly but two just from a standpoint there was always going to be a drop-off I think the biggest thing that did really hurt from a fan standpoint is they didn't expect the drop-off to be that significant and then I think that's going to be interesting too as well 
especially for the guys that will be returning for next season, is going to be pivotal because especially against the Big 12 opponents, like you're going to have to be able to force turnovers or else you're going to have games like Kansas. That's a perfect example where especially at the beginning of the season, they were hitting on all cylinders. It was probably the best Kansas team we've seen. Um, it might be one of the great all-time yeah, teams, certainly within the past few years. The offense, for the most part, like they, they got stopped a couple of times. And from that point, the defense wasn't able to kind of pick up the offense when they struggled. And the rest of the way, it was playing catch-up. And that's the reason that at the end of the day, they, they weren't able to match those total points because the defense couldn't hold Kansas. And credit, the Kansas offense was on a, another level at that point. But that's something that they have to improve on. If you can't get takeaways against a team, yeah, not that they are a bowl game. They are, they are a bowl team, but Louisiana, you have it has to start at some point, and to see that pro- pro- progression, especially from a lot of the guys who will be returning next season. Yeah, and I think what's interesting too is that like um, a couple of things that Dana mentioned. One, you you point his outfit, so I'm going to also point out his outfit. Um, dapper, like <laughs> pea coat and scarf, and then that yeah. same paw print hat <laughs> he's got yeah. like it, that's just his haircut is he's just missing print. a red bull he's just missing a red <laughs> yeah. bull it was just, off camera or something <laughs> yeah the red bull was clearly before that's why he was so mm-hmm. energetic um did you know that driving high is considered under the influence that's right driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state even in states where marijuana is legal that means driving high can get you a dui and if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high you're wrong. Your friends can tell. Your coworkers can tell. Even your parents can tell. Everyone can tell. So it makes you think that law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high. Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. Driving under the influence is driving. Driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI. This is paid for by the NHTSA. No, Dana. Dana's fun, but um, the the neighbors' comment. I don't think I'd really, because I'd been thinking about this as like a quasi home game for Louisiana. And frankly, when the bowl selections came out, I was like, oh god, we have to go like another embarrassing loss. Be going to lose to them at home. Quickly looked up. It's a uh, three and a half or three and a half ish hour drive uh, from Lafayette to Shreveport to the bowl game itself. Um, and then Houston looks like it's about four, um, right? And so theoretically, um, and thinking about like just the recruiting region, it's not quite the home game for Lafayette, I guess, that it was initially in my head. Just because you see Shreveport, Louisiana, and Lafayette, Louisiana, almost, and it, it's not obviously. Um, I I wonder how they spin this into recruiting because obviously, if you can, as you're moving into the Big Twelve, start to tap into some of those Louisiana recruits that typically go to your LSUs or, you know, you can convince some kid like, Hey, you're a three-star getting recruited by LSU. Why wouldn't you come be the man here? Those kinds of things to kind of build the program. Eventually you want to take the five stars from LSU too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But the building of the program, I think is important. Um, I, I guess I'd kind of forgotten we, that Houston used to play them more often. I, I, I guess that just wasn't really in my mindset as far as like, this used to be a more common opponent for U of H. Um, do you remember Houston playing Louisiana? A lot? Is that, is, am I weird for not no, having that, that was, memory? That was, that was before <laughs> following the program closely, but no, it, it's interesting. I think just a lot, a lot, it's just something when it comes to the histories of, of programs and, and the matchups they've had in the past. I think that's one, that's, it is one of the cool things about the bowl games because whether it's a, an opponent that you haven't seen 
often. Like, can you look at last season when they play Auburn or maybe it is Louisiana when you're kind of reigniting a, a rivalry, especially from such a long time ago. There's always There always seems to be some cool nugget when it comes to the history of, of programs. So it's one of the – I know, especially for bowl games, if you're not a New Year's Six, a lot of fans will be like, oh, okay, they're playing in the independence. But okay. That's kind of the, the cool nuggets about it. And like you heard Horson say right there, it does mean something for the program, especially a, a veteran senior – ridden program that they're they're not trying to get out of here with back-to-back losses especially the disappointing one to Tulsa they're trying to to kind of get that taste out of their mouth and and again just cap off their time in Houston on a good note he mentioned you mentioned it's the third or fourth time he said this idea and then Tank Dell said it in his I'm leaving U of H after the bowl games uh (laughs) Instagram post this idea of getting a bad taste out of their mouths right Tulsa tasted bad yuck spit it out um I don't mean to project but i would imagine uh the houston cougars beating louisiana is not the kind of thing that like i would have been super surprised by um frankly there's a way to win this game ugly and i don't know how much better the taste is in my mouth um yeah my my question to you andy i guess is what does this have to look like to actually get that bad taste out of your mouth because like i didn't have a great taste after we beat rice (laughs) right like so what does that to look like you're right. That's a great point, especially early on in the season, because that Rice game was the final non-conference game for the Cougars, I believe. So at that point, they had, I mean, really, the, the main argument the fans were saying is like they could very easily have been 0-4 after non-conference because you forget that UTSA game. Season was It seems like so far long ago, but <laughs> no, that UTSA game was crazy with oh, three different overtime periods that it went into. Um, they were able to stop Frank Harrison that last um, – that stand and and, I mean it was just a crazy game to open up the season but no they lose to Texas Tech in overtime they lose to Kansas and Rice it looked like they were driving down the field and and for a second I thought they had converted they had scored a touchdown the last play of the game I'm sure they would have gone for two had they converted and then lo and behold you lose to the crosstown rival Rice that that was just (laughs) an egg on your face um, especially heading into the next week they lost to Tulane that was missing their star quarterback and then you know, they lose their backup quarterback on the first drive of the game. So, again, it's just, again, going back to how crazy that season was. Yeah. But, no, you're absolutely right. If they go into Friday and they play Louisiana, and it's one of those crazy games where, I mean, you heard it right there. Hungerson said a lot of the times, especially with these bowl games, I think much more for this game in particular because, you know, the players are going to be cold. I mean, from a fan standpoint, yeah, I mean, you pointed that out. It's a three-hour drive for Louisiana, give or take. It's a four-hour drive for the Cougars it's going to be sub 30 degrees. So from a fan standpoint, I don't think there's going to be a lot of juice in those stands um, when it comes to the atmosphere um, for either teams to be, to be quite frank. So it's going to be a lot more on the players themselves. Like who who's kind of self-motivated, how really um, again, who has the most energy, who can go out there and make more plays. I think what looks for a good team or for the Cougars to, to be able to, to get that bad taste out of their mouths Honestly, they have to look dominant. I mean, point blank. They have to be able to look like they have the offense for the most part, especially after that overtime game in Memphis. Or not the overtime game, the crazy game. So many crazy games this season against Memphis where they, they pulled, what, the 20, 20-plus points fourth quarter. It looked like they were dead in the water, and they showed life in that game from that point on basically until Tulsa's offense was on another level. We have to see that offense. And then, again, going back to the defense, we got to be able to see – 
the stretches. I'm not, I don't expect them to be co out, do what you did against East Carolina, but be more consistent in that aspect. Force a couple turnovers, be able to get some key stops, and then you'll have some positive momentum. That's how you get that bitter taste out of your mouth. And even on special teams, you know, stop kicking it out of bounds on kickoffs, make <laughs> errors like that. Like that's at the end of the day, that's how you'll get that bad taste out of your mouth because. Again, that was a storyline all off season. Like we're excited, we're going to the Big Twelve. This, I mean, to be quite frank, at the beginning of the season, no Cincinnati, no UCF on the schedule, and we should we should look really great in our final year in the American Athletic Conference. There's another opponent like Louisiana. You're heading into the Big Twelve. You should be able to dominate them. From that standpoint, that's how, at least from a fan perspective, you'll get that bitter taste out of your mouth. And I'm sure from the players, too, at the end of the day, you know, it's the cliche, a win is a win. But if you can look dominant doing so, that's that's really the way you, you'll, at the very least, you can have some silver lining that, yeah, we were able to, to turn it around for that last bowl game. Yeah, and um, my my hang-up would be the turnovers, right? Defensively, uh, it, it's not just tackling the guy in front of you, It's not, but it's like, I guess Sack Avenue did get sacks and tackles for loss, but making a play that impacts the game in a way impacts winning. You stole Samson's phrase, so I'll steal it too. Mm-hmm. Um, making plays like that that directly impact the outcome of the game, taking the ball away as a corner or forcing a fumble as a linebacker. Obviously, we've had a couple of different sacks and sack fumble kind of things for the season. That's the strength of the defense. But we can't keep like just leaving it up to those four guys, whoever the four on the field at that point in time are. Um, like I, I like Nelson Caesar a lot, but like I, he kind of just rotates in. I think the guy everyone seems to like on campus is Dutton Wonkwo, <laughs> but that, yeah. that's that neither here nor there. Um, the the truth to me is that if I look at this and I'm trying to make predictions, it's not about if Houston wins, it's how, and that's also how I predict how I feel waking up Saturday morning, <laughs> right? <laughs> like the game's Friday yeah. night, so when I wake up Saturday morning, if we go out there and rock them, it's like okay. And we're, we're building, we're going to go get a, te- a, a tech quarterback or we're going to get somebody in the transfer portal. We're going to keep this thing rolling. Like, do we win the Big 12 in year one? I don't know. Do we, like, make some noise? Maybe, right? If we come out and only beat Louisiana by seven, ten points, I'm not, I'm not sure that I'm feeling super comfortable heading into the offseason unless they make some splashy uh, transfer portal news. Yeah, um, yeah, what's going to take right. – I would say, what it, what's it going to take to make you wake up happy on Saturday morning with this outcome or with this game? No, you you make an excellent point. I think much more for the coaching staff because that's going to be that's going to be the the consistent thing for the Cougars. Um, barring barring anything drastic happening, that's going to be the that's where the fans are going to have their confidence meter. If that makes sense. So if they go out there and like you said, they look sloppy against Louisiana. Which worst case scenario, they lose to Louisiana. You're gonna have the same old. Yeah, I can already feel the the. I can already hear, see the tweets, see the reactions. Then be oh, this you know, there's got to be a change. They ain't a horse in this. They ain't a horse in that. Blah 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 blah. Whoever they do in that move, and even from a standpoint, in a fundraising standpoint, you know, they've had that campaign for the whole season, basically, and in, in the rise to to be able to build fundraise money as they transition into the big 12, they need to look dominant. That, that at the end of the day is a non-negotiable. You have to be able to go in there, beat Louisiana by you know, not just a touchdown, not just by a field goal, but look dominant and clearly look that you're clear cut, the better team, you know, just like going back to that game against Kansas in that game, 
it was clear that Kansas was a, a level above the Cougars from that aspect at that point. That's how the Cougars have to go in there and got to make Louisiana look because, no, again, nothing against Louisiana, but you're stepping up. It's going to be a much more grueling schedule and something that Hogerson said. I mean, I'm sure he's already seen the Big 12 schedule. He's reminded the media multiple parts about it. Like once once that Big 12 schedule gets released, which I think he said it should be any time now, some before the end of the year, um, there's not going to be – you know, a temple on the schedule. There's not going to be a South Florida on the schedule every game. And the Cougars haven't been able to beat a big 12 opponent going back to 2016 when they beat Oklahoma on the Baker Mayfield at NRG stadium. That's a long time. And Renu Couture, Chris Pesman, they've all said they don't, they're not going into the big 12 just to be there. You know, they want to compete. And right now, if they don't dominate Louisiana, I'm sure, or even if they lose, a lot of fans are going to be, we're just going to go in and be in the basement of the Big 12, which that's not what you want from an athletic standpoint, especially the what's supposed to be the premier program from the football side of things, heading into the first Power 5 schedule ever in, in university history, at least from a, the modern era standpoint in, in the new, what we would call Power 5 conferences. Yeah, and I think you bring up an interesting point about Renu Couture. Um, you know, she said uh, at this point it's a couple of coaches ago that Houston was not going to be a program that was happy with eight and four coaches. Yeah. Um, I, I think the looming thing here is that, you know, even if they win this game, they're eight and five, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, not eight and four. Technically not eight and four, right? <laughs> technically not eight. Um, I, I also um, admit that, like, I think that the non-conference games, the way Kansas was rolling, I think UTSA is a lot better than people realized they were week one. I don't mean to say they didn't have a difficult schedule. Um but if they look bad against Louisiana, you mentioned people will be calling for Holgerson's head. I can think of nine and a half million reasons why they won't. <laughs> but yeah. what, what what would it take? What, is there any realistic option to do something else, especially at this point that you feel is kind of late? Yeah, no, I agree. I think if anything would have been done, it would have been done within the the quote unquote uh, radio silent period that we just got through. <laughs> Um, honestly, I don't know. Like, unless if they like get shut out, which that's no, that's no. Knock right on wood. Now, <laughs> that's, right now is the point where I say there's no chance that happens. And then if we were living in a, a TV show, it cuts to them getting shut out <laughs> against Louisiana. Yeah, I I don't see that happening. Certainly, especially at this point, like you said, late. They've already they're in the middle of their recruiting. I don't I don't see anything happening drastic from that standpoint. I think regardless. This season, it is what it is. The eyes, unfortunately, are are kind of looking past. And how how can they continue to improve? And at the end of the day, again, it's much more for the seniors. I don't think the seniors on this team. I think we showed, or they showed, particular going back to that Memphis game, they could very easily let go of the rope when they were down nineteen in that fourth quarter, and they did it. And that's a credit to the seniors. That's a credit to the team overall that they believe in in the team and the coaching staff. So. I don't think the bottom will fall out against Louisiana. Andy, um, you're the guy to follow for all the post-game coverage, football and basketball. Tell people where they can find you, the show, the post-game coverage, all those kinds of things, as well as your work with Gallery Sports and all of that. For sure. For football and men's basketball coverage, be sure to check out gallerysports.com, which Knock on wood, there should be a very, very cool story I'm piecing together going back to December 23, 2021 for the men's basketball program, which 
just off the top, if you think of where this program was, the basketball program was this point last year, it wasn't the the strongest point just in terms of what, what had been happening from, from a health standpoint. So I'm working on a cool store for that. Hopefully it should, it should come out December 23rd, which is this upcoming Friday, same day as the bowl game. But Gallerysports.com for, for written content. Like you mentioned, let's rate Coops for streaming post-game show. We'll be talking off air. The vision for that was to be kind of that that kind of outlet for fans to be able to go out, speak. A lot of people don't want to speak on a show. They do like to comment on the show and react <laughs> to the games. And then Pod Slime and Jam as well. The Pod Slime and Jam YouTube channel. Be sure to check out currently the, the two recent videos, Emmanuel Sharp and Marcus Sasser. They talk a little bit about the big win over Virginia and Emmanuel Shaw specifically, he's been the first guard off the bench the past two games for the Cougars, so he talks a little bit about his progression throughout the season. That's P-A-W-D-S-L-A-M-A-J-A-M-A on YouTube, and that's pretty much it. Pod Slam Jamma, it's your go-to spot for post-game coverage. Uh, you often have Dayon's on there very good. Basketball, I see Chris on there a lot. Um, it's a fun, fun time. And like Andy said, it's kind of an interactive if you want to get on YouTube comments and stuff post-game. So make sure to check him out there. Thank you all so much for checking on Locked on Cougs today. Uh, we're breaking down the bowl game as we get ready for our last football game of the season. It's weird as it is to say that we're still in football season a little bit. Um, make sure you check us back in a few days. We'll be breaking down the post game obviously as well i will so make sure you tick locked on cougs if you hit subscribe we'll be in your news feed each and every day thank you all so much for making locked on cougs your first listen of the day if you're gonna look for a second listen i'm gonna recommend what jackson's got going over at locked on rockets um yeah. kind of an up and down season <laughs> for them to say the least um but rebuilding season nonetheless <laughs> more down than up i will um, say give a shout out to jackson because i don't know many people i'm sorry i don't mean to cut you off but a lot of people probably don't know that jackson was the brains behind pot slam and jam he was kind of the the engine that started going he was certainly the like i said the architect behind it they really started pot slam and jam so in, in a sense if it wasn't for jackson there would be no pot slam and jam and who knows it'd be a it'd be a much different uh coverage he's kind of like the pod father of the houston that's sports exactly team. what i had in my mind <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. we'll shout him out for your second listen go check them out and then as always post game stuff go check out andy or doing it over at pod slam and jamma Thank you all so much for tuning in to Locked On Cougs Day. Locked On Cougs, the primary Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Go Cougs.